Hey everyone, thanks for joining us for Let's Talk Recovery. My name's Aaron, this is Caleb, and uh, we're just excited. We've got a special guest for you. If you're joining us on our YouTube, on our um, feed there, you probably already see who it is. It's, it's my wife, Janelle. So we're gonna um, have her sharing her story today. But before we get into that, um, just a couple things. We wanna remind you just to continue to check us out on social media, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all of those things. Again, whatever you're on now, also follow us on the other options as well too, right? Um, you should like us on all the places. Yeah, um, feeds the algorithms. Yeah, it does, and it, it makes us feel better about ourselves. It, well, and that's the that's real what thing. The real thing is, I think our self-esteem here. That and, is, you know. So I got to um, get affirmation somewhere. Well, and I'm just convinced if you haven't liked and subscribed to every platform we have, I just don't know that you truly love us. So that's right. Um, so, and, and maybe that's intentional. If it's intentional, we should have words. Um, and also, we want to make sure you, again, check out Caleb's book, Pursuing Freedom, on Amazon. You get your copy there. Um, it, it's great. It's, uh, and we just, we really do get great feedback from it. Um, and, um, man, just get a copy. Pursue, pursue freedom today. There we go. Um, and, uh, man, I I'll tell you tag. what, next time, I'll sell my own book, yeah. all right? Well, I started thinking about something else. And yeah. It was, uh, we have one of our. Squirrel. Yeah, was it? <laughs> we have one of our listeners, and I, I want to I love the tagline, uh, real, raw, relational. Um, yeah, so it's, I keep meaning to throw the, that in there at the beginning, and I forget, because once he put that out there, I was like, man, that's great. We yeah. need that. We need that. So We do. You know, um, so. Yeah. See, that's what happens when we get feedback from our listeners. So yeah. listeners, you need to give us feedback. Oh, speaking of that, I should mention, too, I had somebody say something about, um, it was a couple episodes ago. Um, I was talking about stupid people and I know we use that term frequently and maybe they, they weren't necessarily offended by that, but you know, they just thought maybe that was a little harsh. So what I would say is there's, we all do stupid things. But there's some people that make it a habit. So are those stupid people? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just I'm trying sorry. to be euphemistic, <laughs> you know? So I'm just, I'm sorry, you know, every word I couldn't resist. I'm just trying to be sensitive yeah, to should, our should be listeners we needs. Should be kind. Maybe that's why we don't get people to like us. Yeah, maybe, maybe so. <laughs> all of our different channels. Yeah, all of the different channels. <laughs> anyway, so I just thought I'd throw that out there. Oh. Like uh, I said, I'm trying to be sensitive to, to the feedback, so I, maybe I, we get more of it. Yeah, I get it. You know, we should we should be sensitive. To I am sensitive. I'm a very yeah. sensitive person. Yeah, well, you know, people often accuse you of being the most sensitive. That is. Uh, a lot of tears. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, hugs and crying with people. And uh, I mean, I often, people say your sensitivity is, is only second to um, Caleb's. Yeah. I mean, that's how they describe the both of us. Yeah. So yeah. I'm very touched. That's the cross I bear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway. Yeah. So we have a show today. We actually do. Um, and uh, I, again, I'm, you know, we, we introduced her earlier. Um, can, can you tell everybody your name? Who, who are you? <laughs> Janelle. Janelle. Um, and so Janelle's cross to bear is, is being my wife. That's so a big cross. She's going to have a great reward in heaven. I'm certain of it. Uh, so you can go ahead and add her to your prayer list now. <laughs> Someone who's in need of constant prayer. Yeah, constant. Yes. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of people don't know this. You know, obviously, you know, I get, I get a lot of attention. I'm in front of people. And, and Janelle's got an incredible story. She really does. Things that she's overcome gone through um, the way that she's approached life and so we wanted to give her an opportunity this morning to share some aspects of it um, with you all to hopefully provide you with some encouragement um, and um, just some hope in, in your life and your situation and so kind of starting off Janelle if you would um, tell us a little bit about where you came from 
um, and, and where, uh, what early life looked like for you. Uh, many of you may not know this, but Janelle is not actually an Okie. And so um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's one of those things I had to look past, you know, in the wedding vows and everything. But, um, you know, that was my cross to bear. Yeah. Um, but uh, so tell us a little we bit. We all make sacrifices. Yeah, we do. I made sacrifices. It was terrible, but, you know, we passed it. So um, where are you from? You know, what did uh, what childhood look like for you? Um, so I was raised in a military family. Um, I was the last eight years of my dad's uh, 20, 20 years of service. Um, what branch? <clears throat> Navy. Oh. Um, so submarines. Um, so what that looked for like me it. is I moved a lot in my first eight years of life. Um, so I wasn't born here. I was born in uh, Maryland and then served. Some, they, we did some time in Hawaii and then also different parts of California. Um, so I was used to change uh, people, places, um, which I think partly fed into just how my personality is where I, I, I enjoy change um, and I enjoy meeting people and experiencing um, new things. Um, so I don't really have a problem like making friends. Uh, but as far as that goes, um, I'll, I'll probably also played a part into me not having um, a lot of probably meaningful friendships because I was used to moving. So not really a lot of time to get in depth until we were done moving around. Um, so where did you guys end up settling? Where would you say you grew up at? So I grew up in California. We try not to hold that against her. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's where we kind of settled, started about mid third grade, fourth grade, and then finished junior high and high school over there. Um, so what that- part of California? Um, Hanford, California. Hanford. Little small dairy town. And that's a few hours outside of Fresno, right? Uh, less than an hour out less of Fresno. Yeah. So usually when people talk to me, I'm like, hey, you probably know where Fresno at. And then she you can figure- She says little dairy town, but it's not like an Oklahoma dairy town where yeah, 60 people live, right? Well, I mean, it's grown now, but it was, yeah. it was, a, it was a small town. A small town yeah. of how many people would you say? I have no idea. Yeah. Man. Nope. Probably more than 60. You just like smell dairy sometimes. <laughs> You're like, smells like money. That's yeah. kind of the phrase you would hear all the time. <laughs> All right, smell dairy. That sounds like an awful way to <laughs> It was. Dairy. You like walk outside and, like, just some days you just smell the dairy. The, the dairy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I grew up, the dairy. I grew up right down the street from the dairy farm over here. Yeah. And, yeah. So yeah. Every, some days the and winds we, we blow have, the wrong way, and you're just like, ugh. <laughs> exactly. Well, the smell of cattle doesn't bother me too bad, unless it's a lot. Is that what you're talking about? Yes, like, okay, where it is just cattle. it's just dairy just cows. Wondering, like, so it's like the smell of milk in the air. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's not like cream, fields you know? of cows. So, it's like compact cows. You know, just yeah. they're all kind of in one place. Well, here it's fields of cows. Yes, so, and yeah. that's not California. So, I just I just I just point all that out because it was very deceptive when we met, where you said you were from a dairy town, and so like my picture of a dairy town is not. Not your picture of a dairy no. town. No, and ours so. is like the black and white cows, yeah. and so here it's been the like, oh, milk cows. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so <All> anyway, right. <laughs> so you grew up in a dairy town in California, yeah. and somehow overcame that influence in your life. Um, and so, what was uh, what was home life like for you? Um, home life uh, was probably okay. I mean, until my parents split up. So, yeah. how old were you when that happened? Uh, between eight and nine um, is when they they split um, probably right before he <clears throat> finished in the services kind of when we got kind of a heads up that you know there were some some problems um, but we never really saw those problems at least my my age I never really saw the issues that were going on so I re wasn't really aware um, but then when we moved uh, to California after he retired then um, I was just kind of 
kind of really abrupt for me where it's where we were a family we did stuff um, but we also had you know the service time where you know there'd be periods of time where you might he might not be there but uh, they weren't more than six months or you know things yeah. like that again how was your relationship with your dad up until this point um, before he moved it, it was it was good to my to my knowledge yeah. um, of what I remember and you know what I was told as far as young years um, and then uh, but after that, family dynamics changed uh, when my parents split up. is really abrupt. It's kind of um, very abrupt. Very abrupt. And so um, you remember dealing with anything in that season? Or, um, and maybe you didn't, but... Um. No, I mean, I definitely dealt with abandonment. Um, and so it was kind of just one day, you know, <clears throat> my dad moves away to far away, Alaska. So it was kind of one of those where... Um, there's kind of no time to process that relationship is just gone um and there wasn't really much contact outside of that um on a on a regular basis whatsoever so it was kind of like i have a dad but i don't have a dad so the dynamics changed drastically because i began to be raised by a single mom and me and my siblings began to have i mean we had normal sibling issues before that but then they changed dynamic after my father yeah. left it became a lot more harsh and kind of, uh, instead of clinging together with each other, um, I was kind of uh, just at odds with uh, yeah. um, how they saw me. So everybody was dealing with kind of their own own grief yes. in their own way. Yeah. And, um, and so your relationship with your dad from, from that point, uh, for the, the rest of the time growing up in, in your, your mother's household, um, how would you describe visitations, things like that? Was it, there was frequency to it? Was there consistency? Um, no, um, we always lived far away. So um, the closest we lived was uh, four, four hours. Other than that was either another state or, you know, far. So. All right. So, so you navigate that. You're, you're growing up. And I know a lot of people um, going through that situation would have, um, you know, maybe expressed their frustration, their anger in a certain way, lashed out, um, had a crazy childhood, um, uses it an excuse to rebel. Um, would you say that that's what you did? Um, how was your your home life, or you know how how was your behavior um, kind of growing up from that point forward? Um, so mine, I, I probably took the less traveled route um, since I already knew my mom. You know, as a single mom, she did what she knew to do, and I didn't want to cause any more hurt and pain to I her. Rock the boat. Yeah, I didn't want to rock the boat. Um, my siblings kind of did their own thing. You know, they handled it in their own way, and so for me. Um, I didn't, I wanted to be supportive to my mom. So I just endeavored to not get in trouble. Um, so you took the non Aaron Shaw approach. Yes. The non Aaron Shaw approach. <laughs> so I, I was that kid that did a, you know, they, they walked, they, they wanted to follow the rules. We they called the sit down and shut up approach. Yes. Yes. Um, so that was very much my approach and it was just my heart to not add any more to my mom's journey. And of course, you know, if I'm doing what I'm supposed to, then I also had less things to deal with there wasn't any getting in trouble so then you know my life's kind of you know smooth as far as you know school and home life yeah so yeah i mean and obviously i know a lot of your story um you know i always describe it this way you you endeavored to do the right thing right yes as a child and anybody who's a parent you know kids don't typically do that especially in <laughs> difficult situations but that's kind of how you approached it that you wanted wanted to do the right thing and you wanted to push forward yeah, and I think there was there was a pivotal moment, I believe, that affected that 
probably really deeply was um, I think uh, one time there at my house I went to play with my friends and for some reason I came back in and I remember hearing my mom crying in her bedroom and it was really loud and just you know when somebody does a deep cry you know that it's coming from a place of pain and I remember that just hitting me like a ton of bricks and from that moment on I believe it really became very that's where I was like I don't want to cause any more pain and wanted to be you know a supportive daughter and just making it easy for her and I know that that was that was one of the moments that affected me from that point on all right and um how was your relationship with uh, the Lord I mean did you you know was your story where you guys church growers did, did you consider yourself a Christian growing up um, did faith play a part in and navigating all of that? Did absolutely. So um, both, um, I was raised Catholic. Um, very I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and so for me, I, I enjoyed church. I, you know, there's certain parts of it that I just didn't understand or didn't like. Um, I liked the focus that was around Christ, but just kind of struggled with accepting the whole um, Mary stuff. Um, and then as I got older, I understood, you know, why. Um, but it was kind of neat as a kid to already kind of sense that, you know, the direction of my belief. This but is off base. Is the Catholic Church a cult, yes or no? I'm not answering that. So, anyway, yeah, so, yeah, I was raised Catholic um, <laughs> until, like, about around third grade. So I did my catechism, all that stuff. Um, and we were regular churchgoers. And, um, but then as my parents, uh, before, like I said, before my parents retired, um, realized there was some some things going on in their relationship. So my mom started to go to non-denominational. So we tried out one church and I remember that that's, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> wasn't really accepted when you were Catholic, but, um, so going there, that's where I experienced something different. <laughs> and that's probably where I accepted Jesus. Cause I just remember, I remember the place and, you know, some of the people I interacted with, um, and so then when we moved, um, we kept going to non-denominational churches. When I moved back to California and my parents got divorced, um, she began to take us to different places that were non-denominational and that really just began to grow my exposure. Um, but I think it was good because it, like my mom led by example as far as pursuing Christ herself. She never really, you know, crammed it down my throat really she just put me in opportunities to experience God and you know where there wasn't really any limits with non-denominational it's not like they're they're putting us in a certain direction it's just like you accept the Bible the whole truth and nothing but the truth um and so from there watching her lean on Christ herself like the thing that stands out to me the most is you know she had to be at work before we did and I had older siblings to make sure I'm ready catch the bus and she always had her Bible at a certain spot on the table and her, you know, her concordance and things like that. So I knew that that's what she did before she left for work. Um, and so that just stuck in my mind because that's her spot. That's her, you know, part of the table. And she does it every morning before she leaves. Um, and then there were different points where, you know, maybe probably three, three times she had us like, hey, read this scripture and write down what it means to you. Um, and then as I started to get older, I started again with that ex constant exposure of like other people pursuing Christ and going to church and trying to find our church home, which we ended up finding a church home. Um, and I guess also having a good experience at a church home where they see you as family and they take you on. Um, the church we grew up at uh, from junior high through high school was very good. They, they treated me even though I didn't have a father and we, you know, um, they, they welcomed me in and were what I needed. 
So that's quite a change from uh, going Catholic, raised Catholic, to just go to straight non-denominational. Did you guys have a conversation about like, hey, why aren't we doing all these? You know, because Catholic is very ri- ritualistic. <clears throat> yes. And then so, you know, now you show up on a Sunday, you're just like, no, you don't have to kneal seven hundred times and you do all wear that pants. Kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was. Um, I know. I know. For my sister, it was like really, you know, mechanical because she's like, I know when we rise, I know when we sit, I know right. what they're going to talk about, you know, because right. they kind of a systematic. Um, but for me, it was, it was kind of a relief. Again, there were things that I just didn't care for. I know we were very strict, so I remember listening to opera records and doing the rosary at home and going to the candlelights. And so for me, I was kind of relieved for all the rituals to fall off and it just be about Christ. So mm-hmm. that's that's something that intrigued me more. Um, is uh, the relational part and that it's about just just Jesus. Yeah. So then after that, then, I don't know if we're getting ahead, but how did you get to, to Oklahoma? Well, I would, I would say, um, well, it's probably a place into it. What do you do? Um, so you, you, you grow up this way. Um, you're pursuing Christ. You're, you're trying to be, um, you know, a good Catholic girl and a good non-denominational girl, you know. <laughs> um, and so, I mean... I mean, you, you sound like, you know, the kind of kid, I wish we had kids like that. I mean, you know, like, what happened? Why, why can't you raise better children? I just uh, confused here. Well, you know, my so. parents, my mom always tells me, she would always say, she would always say, I hope you have children that are just like you. And... Is that a nice way or a mean way? No, she wanted, to, she wanted me to go through the, what I put her through. And... Um, so we had twins. I was like, it took two kids to. <laughs> so most of your issues that probably are happening are, are because of Aaron, because yeah. that's a generational curse that you know. Don't his parents a, probably put don't, it on don't him. Don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby? <laughs> yeah, his parents probably put it on him. Like, I hope Aaron has his kids that are just like him. So, yeah. Actually, my dad would say this. I hope you don't have children like that. He said, he said they won't survive. They won't survive. You're, you're barely making it. Yeah. They'll die. And no parent should have to bury one of their own. So, that, and that's not yeah, even that a joke. It, Those yeah. were actual conversations. So, yeah. um, so anyways, so anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, uh, I mean, you really did. Um, and you did the you did the right thing growing up, and and that's that's always been something that stuck out to me. Um, you know, as we talked, because it made no sense to me. I mean, really, it's like how do you do that? Um, but um, what did you do? Like, so you're you're ending high school, and so it's time to kind of spread your wings, become your own woman, uh, pursue your own life. Uh, so so what came next? So I mean, there there definitely became that crossroads of um, you know coming to the end of the high school, and like what are you going to do and um, I wanted to go to a school in LA. And of course, that's a big drastic change from growing up with a single mom to like four hours away from where we lived and on my own completely. Um, and so uh, there was a group uh, that was with Youth with a Mission that our pastor was connected to. What kind of cult is that? It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of jokes about that. Um, anyway, so it was just one of those where. That's um, what it really was. No. <laughs> um, my pastor's uh, son had gone there. And they just felt like, for me, just not ever being really away from my mom, um, and I'm entering adulthood, that they have, they have programs where you do six months at a time, and it just really gets you away from, um, you know, I, I could go away from my mom, but be in a safe environment where I'm, you know, doing biblical training for six months, um, and being in an environment where, you know, it's, it's not, 
I should be able to stay on track, but also be away from my mom to where I am learning to make choices and, uh, but still have kind of a safeguard. So I actually really fought that one. And um, that was a, one, of the f- one of the few times that me and my mom kind of butted heads a little bit. Uh, I kind of wanted to, again, had my own thing. I'm gonna go to LA and, and do, do my own thing and go to school. Um, and there was a group that came and did a presentation and, and we could talk to them. And I remember not even wanting to go to church that night. Like, I do not want to go. And so she's like, this is the first time, like, again, that, or not the first time, but one of the few times that I really dug my heels in. And so I'm the kid that sits in the front. I sat in the back. Like, <laughs> I was hands folded. Yeah, I was, I mean, it was just like, I do not want to be here. And I don't want to hear what they have to say. I want to do my own thing. I don't want to go to this six month course. And so I did that. My mom's like, hey, you should come talk to one of the gals afterwards. So, you know. This kind of reminds me of one time I rebelled in church, like one of the few times we went, and my parents made me sit in big service. So I urinated on one of the pews. Oh, my so gosh. I was about to say, when you were talking about, well, I had to show her, I sat in the back. I was like, if Aaron... <laughs> He would have burned it down. Yeah. Like, he would have tried to like yeah. set the place on fire. Now, to be fair, I was like eight or nine. I was a child. I wasn't a teenager. But eight or nine is well past the age to be urinating on yourself in rebellion. I didn't urinate protest. on myself. I didn't say anything. Oh, that makes you worse. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, you I stood up my and pants. yeah, and dropped crowd. Oh my gosh. gosh. Anyway, yeah. So oh. go on. <laughs> and so, uh, she, you know, she had me pray with a gal, and so I mean, inside. Like me and God had a had a good enough relationship because He did walk me through. Like I said, my mom was a good lead of of how to lean on God, and so you know, growing up with my father not being there really for me on an ongoing basis, it was kind of very very random and very spread apart, um, and not really a current support for me growing up. So I learned to go to God with you know, say my dad hurt, got pricked that day, it's Father's Day, or it's something else that pricked it where I don't have a dad. You know, I have a dad, but I don't have a dad. And so um, he walked me through those hard moments where I'm in my room, bawling my eyes out. And so that was my walk with God where he was there for me through, you know, the ups and downs of abandonment or even just with my relationship with my siblings where those harsh times of being rejected by my family um, when they're they're meant to be there for me because we're all experiencing the same abandonment. And so um, I remember getting home after that, and it was one of those where, like, I don't even have to pray about this because I already know God's answers. He's want, he wants me to go. And um, so I remember just sitting on my bed, and, like, I just bawled. I was like, but I don't want to go, you know? So, like, me and God had that type of relationship. We just had a conversation. And so I did pray about it, and my mom, you know, before, before that moment happened, she did come in my room and just— you know, sat for a second, but then she didn't stay. She left. She, she, she trusted my walk with God too. And I I really appreciate that she knew when to stay and knew when to walk away. Um, so I felt like she never pressured me into situations. Um, and so I, you know, had my ball out session and I went to my pastor and my mom and I was like, I'm, I'm supposed to go to this six month course. And that was one of the best decisions of my life because uh, it was, and again, it was just giving me, giving God six months before I started whatever I wanted to do in life on my own. Yeah. And so um, from that, I went to that. And as soon as it was just all God aligned. And as and soon so as this in California? No. So I actually went to Arkansas um, for my youth with a mission six month course. It's called DTS. And literally, I mean, 
God packed so much healing in that six month course, then I don't know that you could, he could have done that any other way. And because we had a different speaker every week, um, I was very receptive because I thought if I'm if I'm supposed to go here, I'm gonna you're gonna have my full attention, God, because I don't want to be here. So yeah. if I'm gonna do this, I'm putting both feet in. Nobody wants to be in Arkansas. Well, I was gonna say. <laughs> You have I w- your full attention because there's nothing else to pay attention <laughs> and, to. Yeah, we, we were out in the country, literally, like, we're just fields around us, hay bales. I mean, it was, we were, it was yeah. just us and our group, just and we're out in the middle of nowhere. Just around you. I spent a year in Pine Bluff, Arkansas, and I would have traded that for fields and hay <laughs> versus uh, gangbangers and muggings. And <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, literally, God, from the flight out there to the flight back, God did not waste any time. He dealt with vows I had. He dealt with, he dealt with my father like my father issue. I mean, I dealt with that growing up, just, you know, just like an onion layers of that. But I remember I had never expressed any anger about my parents' divorce or my father not being there. And God turned over that rock there. And I got very vulnerable with um, just some classmates. And we processed that of, you know, being very angry. Um, and I'd never expressed anger to my mom, to my dad about about what I personally walked through. Um, and moments like that just just changed my life to where I'm so thankful that I did what I didn't want to do, and that set the tone for me going forward. Yeah. So um, after you finish up your six months there, you you gain healing, all of these things. Um, did did you leave there with anything else? I did. I met a guy, and uh, <laughs> sounds sounds. Yeah. I can already tell. Yeah, like right. <laughs> this works out well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I met a guy, and uh, I didn't really date in high school. I I was one of those where I know what I know what I want, and so when I see it, I'll know. And so I had my list, and so but I also was naive um, because uh, I didn't know that you know you'll have feelings and emotions, and then you have to balance that out with reality. And so um, and again, not having not growing up at a home where I see. Um, I'm, you know, a father and a, and a mother interact and, um, I don't have a dad to tell me, um, yes or no about a guy, um, and didn't have that clashing. So, well, and when you say, you know, you didn't really date in high school, um, so like you didn't, you didn't date, um, you didn't, you didn't kiss anybody and you, you saved yourself sexually for marriage, right? Yes. Yeah. And so. again, that was like between me and God, like because I grew up in a broken home, I wanted something different. I wanted a, I wanted a family. And so, so, so it goes back to that. You're, you're really trying to do the right thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, so you met a guy um, and what, what happened with that? How did that grow, evolve? Um, what did you guys end up doing? You know, did you go to Coney Island, something like that? You know? <laughs> so it was actually, he was from Illinois. So it was actually, you know, I'm, I'm from California. So when our class is done and we kind of developed this at the end of the, of the class. So it's kind of like, well, we're both going to different States. It's going to be a long distance relationship and we're going to pursue this. Um, so we, you know, he went back to Illinois. I went to California and we did the whole writing letters, talking on the phone. Um, you come over and visit. I come over there and visit. And uh, so it moved really fast. I kind of ignored those around me as well that cared about me. And Uh-oh. So we talk about this on the show sometimes. <laughs> yes. There was flags and you thought it was a carnival. Uh, yeah. yeah, I didn't know how to balance out, you know, when, when those that are close to you, 
that have had a place in your life growing up and they they prove their their spot in your life to speak in um which it, which is uh you know there was a family um that uh, one family that where he became a father figure and my brother um had a voice in my life my sister had a voice in my life my mom did too and so which one of these people were receptive to your your choice uh only my mom was um but again i've I, we never I did never did the whole dating thing. Now I did have, you know, people that might have we almost got to that stage. But then, you know I, I had good judgment I feel in high school and then I don't know what happened when I turned eighteen. <laughs> you turned eighteen, that's what Yeah, I, I turned eighteen and it was like I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well that's you know, that's not a comment. But you made you've made two fantastic points that uh we should probably just say again for the ladies. One if the other people in your life that have you know gained those places of, of respect and authority that that you know, and they and they you get into a relationship and they're like yeah that's not a good idea that almost always is accurate yes yes and then you earlier said that <clears throat> the thing you didn't kind of prepare for is understanding that you know when you first enter a relationship you, you know what you want but then you have emotions mm-hmm. and then you're like Oh, I, I didn't realize I have to balance out. the list. I have to, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, but, I had the uh, list, but I didn't realize how to do what your list looks like and right. what does it look like in daily life. Like, yeah. And especially because we were long distance, I never saw that person in daily life. Yeah. So I couldn't see those red, yellow flags. And even if I did, you're so thinking, oh, this is the one that right. you're blowing past right. all these things. Your emotions things. kind of blind you to those yeah. things that you know, you, you know, when you were a lot more in a in a more rational state yes <laughs> you came up with like this list of things this is what i really want and then you're yeah your emotions have blinded to that and so yes that is as yeah. we talked about in our relationships before the podcast that you know just the emotions you can't you can't trust those yeah especially early absolutely. on in a relationship because everybody's everything's perfect it's that puppy dog love stage and everybody yeah. thinks everything's wonderful and, and and that's where we get into trouble yeah, yeah. So. and especially when you have people approaching you like i remember being approached by you know my my brother and and sister-in-law had talked and this was before they got married but they they dated for a long time before they got married and i remember you know, him sending my sister-in-law, who's, well, at the time she wasn't, but they, they were on that route too. They knew where they were going to get married later. Um, and she's like, what are you doing? Like, mm-hmm. and I remember it. And I remember like, I didn't rebel growing up, but dude, through this process, I rebelled. I was like, I know what I'm doing, yeah, you know, and, sure and I was not receptive whatsoever. <laughs> and, and that, you know, so it's, I, I regret not listening to those close to me um, because everything that they pointed out proved out, you know, mm-hmm. like you, you don't really know who this person is and, you know, um, just just differ, a lot of different things. All right. So you, you guys met um, and you, you go back to your respective states. You're doing a long distance relationship and you said it, it began to move fast. So um, what is what does that mean? Is that like you guys shacked up, got a puppy dog together, um, those types of things? <laughs> you know, so, try it out before. You, you know. No, actually, um, I, I still saved myself. Um, luckily, there were moments of like, you know, where you're both not wanting it at the same time. So it's like, we, we made it through. Um, and I had I had accountability at that point. Um, he ended up moving to California before we got married um, and lived with my pastor for a little bit at the time while we got got an apartment where he would move in, but I wouldn't move in until um, we were married. So we, we did those steps right. And mm-hmm. we were 
we were under, you know, um, our spiritual authority that we decided to put ourselves under. So we, we walked that part out well and we saved ourselves. Um, endeavored to do the right thing. Yeah, we yeah. endeavored to do the right thing. You kind of have a history of that. Yeah. It makes me sick. <laughs> you make people this, like me. Then she bad. finally gave up and got married to Aaron. <laughs> um, and so that went forward. Um, and then as I got married, um, you know, for one, abandonment issues came up where, you know, when you're single, there's there's nothing butting up against that. And so as soon as I got married, it was like, oh, I don't ever want to get divorced. So I'm afraid of divorce. Are we going to get divorced? Like it right. just, it just, it, it basically like the month after I got married, I just sit down with my pastor and his wife and be like, I am freaking out. Yeah. Like that abandonment, I never, you know, was never insecure before that point, really. I had like, a really good self-esteem. Oh, yeah. Now and- yeah. So like I was very independent, had confidence, uh, you know, was involved in different things. So I didn't deal with insecurity whatsoever. But when I, the moment I got married, dude, insecurity just hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, so I got past that. They, they, they um, ministered to me through that. And uh, marriage went on, um, but then these these things started to pop up. Um, just a lot of awareness, and I didn't know to, to you know have any talk to anybody about some things How that were going did on. You guys live in California together. Mm-hmm. So I got married when I was twenty. I think we moved when I was like the end of twenty two. Or so, 23. So less than two years? Yeah, we, years. we moved less than two years away. Okay, and so yeah. were there, there were things popping up in your relationship then that people were aware of? Uh, there were things that people were not aware of uh-huh. that popped up, and I didn't, I didn't talk to anybody about the things that... What kind of things were those? Um, so I was, I was raised to be very open with, um, you know... Uh, the prophetic things or fasting things and just there were just different odd things that I didn't feel comfortable bringing up to people um I mean what this is kind of a just a lot of manipulation with the with the bible that uh, it's hard to say because it's but it's something that was as a huge piece right before we moved was one of those where he wanted to fast a lot which also means the biblical part of sometimes that we abstain from from intimacy but that became a cycle and then I would feel bad for not fasting or not wanting always to be intimate. And so then it just became like, I felt bad in my walk with God because um, he always wanted to like fast like every other day, pr- pretty much at, towards the end or, and started to get out away from our spiritual authority where even with us endeavoring to move away to help um, somebody in a different state, just with some church stuff, um, we started to come out from underneath that authority, if that makes sense, and do our own thing. But inside, I wanted to say things, but I didn't feel okay to speak up because um, where I was raised, um, there's a lot of like honoring the prophetic. And so there, you know, he did have that gift and our church recognized that. And so then it came into the marriage where I recognized that. So then instead of operating as a couple, it operated as, well, what he says goes. So he's trying to use... Jesus says a manipulation. Yes, tool, and I, yeah, and and so that Jesus says you need to make me a sandwich. So. <laughs> well, it didn't go that far, but but very. Can I do that? <laughs> no. Try it. But and so so for I me. About it and <laughs> but again, I never I talked to anybody, so they didn't know how to navigate me through what's okay <laughs> in the role, what's okay where the Bible, not using the Bible to manipulate how we run as a as a as a so, household. Um. So you 
you're removing yourself from the accountability in your life, right? The people that you're under, the um, that have the opportunity to speak, you've kind of are moving in a direction where they get less and less voice. Yes. And then your your husband at the time um, is leveraging more and more of the spiritual beliefs. And then kind of the crescendo of this is then you guys pick up from California and you move move where? Uh, to Ohio. To Ohio. And so in Ohio. It's only four letters. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> you know, who invited you on this? <laughs> um, so there in Ohio. I'm used to it. It's um, right. what, what type of accountability was there? What type of family was there? Um, you know, you're, you're, you're a young couple. Did um, you have a reason to move there? It literally was again one of those like I feel God and you know so you he really, felt God or you yeah. felt he God. felt God oh, yeah. and I was afraid to say that again like there's things I'm noticing that I had a very good foundation good submitted of just having people in my life right. that can speak truth and you know me personally hearing God for myself and I began to drift away from that to just hearing your just, husband yeah. yes so he um, didn't really seek your input in in that move so much as like hey we're we're going to move up to Ohio. Because it was based on like, hey, this is, it was always based on something spiritual. Jesus or, says we need to move to Ohio. Yeah. yeah. Jesus wants anybody to <clears> move Well, and basing things off of like <laughs> prophetic, you know, like, you know, prophetically I'm hearing this from God or whatever, things like that, where uh-huh. it's like, that's not, that's absent from truth. You got to test it with truth. Yeah. And, and then two are, and, yeah. and, the, and the authority were render like these are you know especially I trusted my pastor and his wife because they had a proven walk a proven marriage, and so it's like I in in the back of my head I knew that we're drifting from wisdom, but not enough to because I was trying to be the good wife again endeavoring to do good mm-hmm. so I thought I didn't know what a good wife I didn't know when to speak up and when not to and so. Um, I kind of ignored that whole, you know, I have the Holy Spirit in me too, of just like, don't want to rock the boat. Moved to kind of the sit down, shut up position. Absolutely. Okay. So um, something profound took place in Ohio, right? I got pregnant? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so something else profound. <laughs> I, I mean, I wasn't even there. I mean, so I don't know. Yeah. So I mean, and 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 this is just a, a tiny tidbit. I won't go into it, but I actually had been struggling to get pregnant for quite a while, um, and so me and God were already kind of having a struggle. Um, but it was good because it got me back on track to where I started to hear God for myself, and so me and God you know, why am I not conceiving? Why am I not having a child? So me and him really duked it out, if I could say it that way, in Ohio. And um, I remember just kind of getting back connected with him in a way that to follow his leading. Um, And so um, anyway, so I got pregnant with my first and then that instinct of I need to be around family. And that's just it. So in that moment, like I'm stepping up, like I'm speaking up, like we're moving where my mom's at, which she had just relocated to Oklahoma or we're going to California where my family is like, period, pick one. Like (laughs) that's what's going to happen. And so, uh, and that, that that's happened. So we uh, chose Oklahoma because my mom was here and we, um, the pastor I had out in California, he was from a church here in Oklahoma. So I felt okay that I would come here already having a church home to go to, which was a big relief for me. Yeah. And I would have my mom, which, you know, a daughter having children, 
your mom, you need your mom in your corner. Mm -hmm. And so, um, especially this is my first one, I don't know what I'm doing, I don't know how this goes, and just that security. And so we agreed to that, we both felt, and that was a decision we did make together. Um, and that was that, that ended up being a good decision. All right, so you moved to Oklahoma. Uh, what does life look like for you here? What's marriage look like for you here? Um, as you're showing up, you're having your first kid, um, you know, kind of explain the things that, that took place. Um, and it's kind of my understanding that this is kind of the, the beginning of a, a pretty um, drastic downward spiral. Yes. So it started out good. I wanted to have children. Um, I wanted to, be, we, we, we both wanted me to be a home mom um, just because we understand like, you know, giving your kids a good foundation before they kind of experience the outside world. Not that they're absent of relationships, but um, just having that, mom, they see mom every day, you know, and just that self-esteem and that, um, and then, you know, just my, me fully getting to be mom. Um, and so we agreed on that and I became a home mom. Uh, we did have one car at the time. And so uh, at the time he, he worked an uh, hour away. Um, so I kind of was without a vehicle and we, we had goals to- Kind of or absolutely? Uh, well, actually, absolutely. <laughs> it was gone with him at work. So I was, I was homebound for, um, you know, I didn't think it was going to be a long journey. I thought it wouldn't be that long, you know. So you're you're at home, new mom, mm -hmm. um, new area, new area, and as you guys are here, he leaves for work consistently, which there's nothing wrong with that. But that leaves you um, isolated. Yes. Okay. Um, and kind of kind of pick up from there. So. Pretty much during the week, the only person I'm seeing is like once a week, I'd, my mom would pick me up. I'd go to her house and hang out. Um, that was me keeping our relationship and she could see her grandbaby um, and it got me out of the house. Um, and then outside of that, there wasn't really a growing arena. I'd go to church on Sunday. So pretty much the only thing I'm developing at that point was high by relationships with the church. And, and I did know a couple people. Um, so I, I have people to connect to on Sunday, but, but that was kind of became the, my life for that point. Um, and then probably about six months in, um, there was a lot of overtime. So that increased the time that, you know, I wouldn't have access to a car. Um, so then I got to go once a week to, um, broken arrow and see a friend. But again, that that started out we had a plan like that's not going to stay forever but then it went from that that was just our circumstances to we started to have access to you know finances growing and then not pursuing getting me a vehicle okay um and so your um daughter my daughter my <laughs> daughter <laughs> it's, uh, um how old when your second um comes into play uh, 18 months later, got got pregnant 10 months after Mally was born and was starting number two. Um, so I think there was some, that I think around that point, there was some layoff things going on just in, in economic generally. So there's probably a, a period of time where, you know, had to, got laid off, but got another company to work for. Um, but then that was only a period of time and then got back to the company that pays well. Um, so again, I understood that stretch of time of, you know, sharing a vehicle and that means, you know, I'm having a grocery shop at a different time than during the day. Um, and so I was getting the help with like kids at nighttime, you know, bath, bedtime. Um, but then to just involvement, 
I don't know, again, again, the whole uh, church hurts and, and stuff is he started to get involved um, with the church, but that also meant I'm home again with the kids. So he's going to do things at the church and, and he just leaves you, right? Kids yeah. stay home, you stay home, he's doing this. So he's he's working all the time, um, which isn't a bad thing, um, providing, but that leaves you in a place of a- isolation. Um, and then other opportunities that to maybe include you, you're, you're not being included. And so you're spending just a lot of time at home alone, right? Yeah. Um, and is there any other things kind of going on that are unhealthy in the marriage at this point? Um, again, back to the, the spiritual aspect was always in there. If he wanted to do something, it was about God, God, said. God said, or I feel, or, and almost that manipulation too of if we don't do this, I'm not going to be okay. Yeah. Um, and you know that doesn't uh, work at all now folks <laughs> um but again when we had finances it was kind of like we and this is just this isn't this is one of the example of like we have we tithe but we give above tithe and so instead of and again it was like well i feel like god and so the the pattern for the next two years was um we're giving tithe but i feel we need to give this amount above well that was like every every paycheck yeah. Um, we're doing above. So the money that we would have had for a car for me or for me to be able to mingle with other moms or take my kids to go do stuff, that was all given away. But because I was, you know, I was raised where, you know, we do sacrifice personally to to be there for other people. So I wasn't, you know, I was used to, um, you know, being open to, if, you know, if God says do this or whatnot. Um, but in this situation, it became where, that started to break down my walk with God. Like, God, do you care about me? Like, I'm not able to develop friendships. I can't go anywhere. I'm isolated constantly, like seven days a week, except for church. And so I just felt like I don't matter. And I, you know, I began to go through abandonment again of just like, I'm always, am I just a baby maker? Cause I, I make babies, but I don't do anything outside of be a mom and make babies. Like, and so that began to, you know, we're at a healthy relationship with God and begin to break that down again. I'm just... And then you guys had child number three? Uh, child number three. And um, throughout that pregnancy, I didn't have a car yet. I, I got a car finally, um, but it wasn't by their father's doing. It was um, um, somebody, uh, you know, saw what I was going through. They didn't know really like how things were affecting me or they, you know, they, all they knew was... Um, they were getting a new car and they wanted to offer me their car. And so they let me buy it for them for dirt cheap. Yeah. And <clears throat> that, that was a moment that I was like, God, you see me. Because I remember having a conversation with a family member where they're like, Janelle, if you had a third baby and you didn't have a car and you can't go anywhere, they're like, I couldn't make it in your situation. Yeah. Like I would, I'd lose my mind. Like you got three babies all under the age of this and like, you don't have a car you still don't have friendships that are developed that, you know, and then I became insecure because I was in a two bedroom apartment too, of like, I don't want to invite anybody over. Like we are crammed in here. I don't have money to, to do anything nice because we're giving it all away. Um, you know, so I'm not decorating. I'm not, you know, uh, so it's, I don't know, just became a very, it made me more insecure. Like, so not I'm only dealing with isolation. I'm dealing with insecurity on top of abandonment, like yeah. all of that mix. So how are things going in the marriage at this point? Um, the more children I had, the less engaged he became. Um, and again, more involvement at church um, or just 
reasons to not be engaged. There became this new thing of, you know, I need an hour to myself after work. Um, or on the Saturdays, like, I want three hours to myself or more, even though I've been watching the kids nonstop. So I be- felt like it started becoming feeling like a nanny. Like, okay, I'm a wife, mom, and a nanny. And that's just all I am. And so that, again, like, the longer it got, the more I felt like a less, I wasn't a person. I just became like, God, is this how you, am I, am I worth, I don't know. So me and God just, it, we're connected. Me and God were connected because I know he's walked me through so many other things that I knew he's God and he cares about me. But I began to lose my voice in my relationship with God where I didn't feel like he wanted me to speak you know, just became, or my voice doesn't matter. And I have no purpose for you outside of raising babies. <laughs> and so all of this just is kind of growing, growing. The weight of it is greater and greater um, on your shoulders. And um, you're kind of approaching a breaking point, right? Yeah. So I, I we then our marriage started to struggle and we did um, reach out and uh, met with a couple and, uh, Again, it's one of those where I, I don't speak up. Um, their father wanted she has to have no issue now though. <laughs> their, their father wanted more kids <laughs> and so <laughs> Well, when we had number three, then it was the decision came up is like, Hey, are we continuing to have kids? He he felt like we should have five, we're at number three, but again, there's less engagement. He's not doing the work, so <laughs> there's there's less engagement the more I have. So I remember um, just being like, I think I wanna stop. Because, you know, three is different with two people helping, but with one person doing most of it, like I can only handle three right now and they're all, all really young. And so I'm like, you know, my friend called me Prego because I was like either pregnant, nursing or getting pregnant, you know, so (laughs) (laughs) within six years I had four children. So, um, again, it, uh, my voice was, uh, you know. The, the voice to have more was louder. And I thought, well, if it was reversed, I would want somebody to let me have one more child and not. So I thought, okay, I can agree to four. Um, and so um, we just hit kind of a rough patch. And I remember thinking in my head, I do not want to get pregnant by this man again. And I was afraid to, um, I know a couple asked us, well, are you doing anything so you don't get pregnant? And I did not tell the truth. <laughs> I was like, we're not. <laughs> and that just had to do with some physical things for me that, uh, of things that I, I couldn't do uh, to prevent. But anyways, so uh, I ended up getting pregnant again, and which was, was okay with me, but not okay with me. I, I just knew our relationship. I wasn't sure that having a child at that time was, was the right decision for us when we were struggling. Um, but I was, you know, I was okay with having four. Um, but then I was overwhelmed the whole pregnancy because I was thinking, you know, I'm already having a tough time with three by myself. And just the thought of the responsibility of having four and the disengagement that has been going on, it freaked me out. So I cried through the whole pregnancy. Um, and um, Again, not I was isolated this whole time, not connection, even when I got a vehicle, you know, just by that time, you've been here years and you don't have these friendships. So trying to start out friendships with having little ones, like it's hard to engage with people because you're, you're, you're meeting the needs of your kids and, you know, 
you don't have friends to be sitters at that point or, you know, I mean, just. So marriage is difficult. Um, Kids are overwhelming. There's sense of abandonment. And I'd say through all this again, I mean, you're you're endeavoring to do the right thing, to be a a good wife, to be a good mother, to to be obedient to Christ. I mean, those were a lot of your motivations. you know, you're, you're not struggling in substance abuse or have some major addictions, um, but it all comes crashing down, right? Like it's, what, tell, tell us about your breaking point. So there were things that began to happen where, you know, the, the disagreement started to happen and uh, to where, you know, he wants five and I'm like, I'm done at four. Like before I leave the hospital, the day I give birth, like I'm, we're done. <laughs> and so uh, that be- began to be a resentment. Um, and that was the first time that I stood up and was not backing down. Like, I, I've, I feel like I've done my part if I gave four children to you. And so I would say so. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so for me, I was that that was that was a good turning point for me personally was like, I'm standing up for myself. I make the decision whether you agree or not. I'm done having children and I will be mom to four but I'm, I'm done. Um, and so there be, began to be little spurts of could tell he didn't agree with that and resented me for it. And it come out in public a couple times and that was really awkward. Um, so well, there, and be, there started to become a distance as well. Yeah. And there's things in this where, um, I mean, he does distance himself from you. Um, there's some really unhealthy things that he began to bring up in marriage, right? Um, additional uh, wives. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, we, uh, there began to be conversations that began to take place um, and uh, just theology things that were just out of the blue um, began to, I remember polygamy came up and I had to (laughs) argue my point about why we are not going to do polygamy. And he tried to convince me that it was a good idea because I would have help. I would have help with my children because there would be another wife and I would have friendship because there would be another wife. And I'm like, are you kidding me right now? We're having this conversation. And so he would have that many more mother-in-laws. Like, (laughs) (laughs) so, so there, there was some good, like I had to begin to speak up. And again, I did with having four, I did speak up. Hey, I'm needing help. I'm needing you home more. Like, and um, I, in those moments, I would get shut down, and, and it felt like a smack in the face. On on those conversations, that how, that's how it felt. Was like you're at, after you have the conversation, you're afraid to bring another conversation up because that's how painful the conversation was. But knowing that I'm putting 100% in, um, and so it, there was still that struggle with me speaking up because it was so painful when I did that it still, you know. Um, cause it to where I didn't want to speak. Um, and, and outside of the uh, encouragement towards polygamy, there was, you know, just other strange behavior that, that made you feel um, abandoned and inadequate and, and things like that. Um, the correct? Uh, yeah. And, and then there was just stuff that started to come up. And so we um, uh, involved um, the pastor and his wife at that point and, and some other pastors and had conversations and and, and they definitely saw where you were coming from, right? And began to support you in, in your situation. Yes, and they, and they endeavored for us to work through those things. Um, but he he didn't agree to the things that they were asking 
him to do to work on his end. Um, and so for me, there just became this harassment towards me personally. And that's where um, things just starting to kind of not physically attack me, but begin to start to attack me in other ways where that was hard. I, I had just had number four and um, was having some physical issues um, that were becoming a problem um, physically from having four that fast. Um, and then uh, not having the support. I had no time for postpartum depression whatsoever. I mean, I'd cried through that whole pregnancy. So emotionally, I was just in a spot that was, I needed support and to have, uh, there began to be talk about another gal he was interested in. And, and then of course, after having your fourth child and somebody wants somebody who's not had any kids, then there's just that rejection. So, so of, he begins to speak about other women. I mean, even outside the polygamy. Yes. <laughs> that there's another woman he actually wants to start pursuing, um, right after I had number four, and, and he's just being open in this conversation with yes, you. Yes, it, it became. Uh, I wanted to censor myself and yeah. not say what I think. Of, <laughs> so, Ladies, this isn't what a man is. Yeah. So I'm just going to yeah. say that. Um, and and so it was kind of one of those emergency situations in one where he had mentioned it to the pastor first, and then they like this doesn't happen like within ten minutes of whatever conversation took place when he met with the pastor, I have the pastor and his wife coming to my house. Like, that's not normal because yeah. we had a large church and, you know, uh, that just doesn't happen. You know, like I said, the pastor and his wife, they both have, you know, uh, she's a lawyer, he's a pastor, they have other stuff going on, they got family. And it was like, mm -hmm. we're going to be there in 10 minutes. And I'm like, yeah. so what is this about? Yeah. I didn't even, I mean, I knew, you know, that was the first time divorce was brought up, but it was about he wanted to pursue another female right after I had number four, like literally right after that. And he wanted number four. So it was just like, what's going on right now? Yeah. And so this is really the first time that, I mean, the church is even remotely aware of how unhealthy he is, right? Yes. They'd been supporting him through this um, and encouraging him towards things um, in a lot of ways and, and promoting him to leadership positions. All the while, you're pushed to the side and there's no recognition of... Um, from them that this is an unhealthy man. Um, I, and again, it's because I didn't share with people. I didn't know to share um, because I felt like that protective. And, and in some instances, I was told to not tell anybody. Yeah. Um, things like I'm eight months pregnant and I'm sleeping out in the living room on a blow-up mattress um, to not, you know, so he can get some sleep so he can function for his job. Yeah. So it was just like I had to put up the blow-away mattress before my friend came over because she went to the church, so that's where I had my my friend <laughs> from the, from the high and by at church, um, and I was told to make sure those 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 things were not seen, so that questions weren't asked. And the the church didn't have, I, I would hope, they didn't have the totality of the. I mean, they're just getting his version of things. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Okay. They didn't. They didn't know about my home I'm about life. To start calling yeah. out churches around no. here. No, <laughs> no. It was, like, it was that I didn't know. Allowed to, speak to go up. on and, and yeah. supported or endorse. Yeah, like, and it was one of those where going back and me getting, you know, because I got counseling after, and they were like, "What? You you didn't say anything? You know, it's oh, just okay. so they were okay. they. It it was kind of everybody was finding out things. So so um. How did the, the marriage, I mean, the marriage finally just um, blew up. So what was going on with you emotionally at this point? Like you're, you're at your wits end, it's, it's done. Where are you at psychologically? Well, psychologically, right before all that happened, I was in a dangerous place because, um, you know, when I made that decision to not have four anymore, 
then I was like, you know, because I was like, if I get pregnant again, like my brain's going to like disengage. And so I remember struggling with like, if I got pregnant again, I'd want an abortion. And that's when I knew I'm not, I'm not me right now and I'm not healthy and I'm allowing somebody to push me in an area that's breaking me. So I knew that I had been pressured into situations that were starting, it was breaking me. And so I started to back up. And one of that was I, I'm, I'm not having any more. What are some other things you dealt with emotionally? Um, you can share what you're comfortable sharing. I don't want to push you towards things. I know. There's... I mean, major insecurity for sure. I mean, that was a hard hit to have number four and then um, have him want somebody who hadn't even had kids. So then there's a total rejection of body and self. Self worth is going to be. Oh, that pretty that, much in the basement there. Yeah, that imagine. that was. Um, I, but. Yeah, totally. Value. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. I mean, I felt like the I felt the lowest you could feel as a wife and a mom, um, and as a female, I felt like nothing. It's like yeah. just so, shattered. So, in that, did you want to continue life? Um, I knew I wanted to put a stop to our relationship. Like I did try to work. I said I'll accept baby steps, but when he wasn't accepting the guidance that the leadership was saying to restore the marriage, then at that point. I knew that if I continued because of the harassment that was going on at home, um, and it was just, there was constantly some type of harassment is just one thing after another of like, I'll put cameras up then starting to be accused of cheating. And it's like, what is going on? Like, um, so just he, personally he attacked in the home. Of, of poisoning him too, right? Yes. He accused me of poisoning of him. I mean, it was just, it was like every, I blamed you. <laughs> <laughs> but th there was something like literally every, every day, every week there was, just this harassment of like that I'm doing something totally off base or another idea that's yeah, totally him, off you. base. Yes. Um, did you ever struggle with suicide through any of this? I did after I started the divorce process. So I was mentally like I got canceled and was just like, I know I had to do something to get him away from me. Um, and because at some point the kids were going to start recognizing there's something wrong going on. So it's to protect the kids um, from seeing some of these things that were going on. And then also for me mentally, not melting down um, to where they wouldn't have a stable parent either way um, to protect them. And so uh, on my own, I mean, it was just, I hadn't worked in seven years. Um, there was threatening of pulling the finances from the bank account. Um, again, I just had number four. I don't have family here except for my mom. And she had just moved 45 minutes away. So I literally felt abandoned by my whole situation. Um, I had friends that didn't know how to be there for me. Um, and then some that could, but because of where they lived, it was harder to be there because they were either 30 minutes or longer away. And so I felt totally alone and had to figure this out. I'm like, I got to support these babies. Like there's four of them and they're under the age of six. Um, and so there was so much pressure to put on, not counting the insecurity I'm going through and that I've been going through this process for the last six years of abandonment getting worse and worse. Yeah. Um, and so I remember um, at first I did try, like right before their dad moved out, I did try alcohol and uh, it, that didn't work. It is just one of those dumb decisions of... Um, you were it, probably drinking near beer. I don't know. It was one of those where it made my stomach hurt kept so bad. Duels and well, happened. It just, it made my stomach hurt so bad. I was like, no, nah, not trying that, that option. Um, and then I started with, at that point, I did start to dabble in not eating. 
because again, going through a divorce or, or just that rejection of them wanting another woman um, and not being enough, it, you lose your appetite automatically. And I had just, you know, just had a baby. So I'm like, I got baby fat, you know? So I'm like, oh, this is working for me. It's meeting my emotional need of I'm in control and I, I wanna feel better about myself. And then physically I'm losing weight now. So I began to, to dabble with that and then going to sleep at night after he moved out, um, tossing around suicide was kind of like uh, calming to me, which is, is bad to say, but that's mentally where I was at, where it's like, that's the only place I feel in control because everywhere else, you know, there's so much pressure and I don't know what to do. I feel alone. And um, that, that gave me peace in those moments of just falling asleep. And that's what I thought about falling asleep. Like I was a chicken, but at the same time, that's where my I mind would go. I word it that way. If you're struggling with this, you're not a chicken. <laughs> no. like, yeah, you're doing the right thing. Continue in living. Yeah. So, but I mean, I, I, in my mind, I knew that I wouldn't do it, but at the same time, it wasn't healthy that that's where I was going. Man. Was there anything else you're struggling with around then? Um, no. Okay. Uh, how was your, so at this point, how's your relationship with God and the church? And I mean, as you're moving into this season. So I felt so angry towards God and I felt betrayed by him. Um, because again, my relationship with God had, had gone to a place where somebody else is calling the shots for daily life and, and, and my perspective on, you know, where the Bible has a place and, and how it looks in daily life. So I pretty much was like, I believe that you're God, but I don't like you right now. And I think I felt, I felt like my marriage failing because we put so much work in the church and it was so revolving around Christ, um, as far as what we're doing, um, that I felt like, God, I did A, B, C, and D all the way to Z and my marriage still fell apart. So what's the deal? Yeah. And, and especially like I was, I was the good wife. I did everything that I knew to do. I didn't say no. I, you know, so I just didn't understand how biblically I, I was the good wife. I did what my husband said. I did what I thought, God, you showed me to do. I don't rebel in any other way. And so I just didn't understand like, why am I experiencing this, this, you know, I don't know, this, this heartache and this disappointment where I didn't, I didn't cause it. Um, so I felt very like almost, almost this calculation of how could this be happening because I did everything I'm supposed to do. And so I just felt like, God, are you not in my corner? Like I did what I'm supposed to do, but yet this still didn't work out. So just that control of like expecting that if you do what's right, that it, that it should play out this way. Um, And so really, that really shook up my walk with God where I started to realize my walk with God's not been built on God. So I realized my foundation was on God when I was growing up in high school and I was very firm, but gradually my walk began to be built on my spouse and what they said my walk should look like. And so that became, um, I mean, I went through a lot of loss, you know, being angry at God. I did start to dabble in different things that were just not healthy, unhealthy male relationships um, and, and just uh, began to do things that were not my character. Um, and be, you know, and he pulled away from the church. I did like, and it was one of those where I felt conviction going, but at the same time, I didn't feel like, because my husband had been so involved, I didn't feel, um, 
I thought the support would look different, I guess. I still felt alone, but it really just came down to because I didn't have tight relationships. I didn't have those to be there because they, they didn't exist. Um, like, you know, it's like when a, when a guy's a leader and the girl's always home with the kids, you know, then it's like, well, we know the guy, but the girl, you know, yeah. we, we, you were a stranger there. Yeah. I mean, they knew me to a point, but they didn't, they didn't know how to be there for me, yeah. you know, and I, it's, and it just is what it was. You know, I don't hold anything against anybody. It just was like a perfect storm kind of thing. Yeah. And again, it was more of, I just say it was more on the father where he was, he was not being honest with people. Yeah. Um, and so you, you endeavored to do life kind of your own way for a season. Yeah. So, um, in that, that I'm sure brought lots of fulfillment. It corrected all the, the wounds <laughs> and pain in your life and, um, just fixed everything, right? No, it no, made no. it. No. Are you sure? Like, right, she said that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, at you first, did it wrong. no. Maybe you didn't indulge enough. <laughs> right. You I didn't mean, make yourself feel good. Yeah. So, so at enough. first, I, I mean, I met my needs with other guys as far as the rejection part. So that part, I felt accepted. Guys like me. I'm doing what they want. I'm getting my needs met. So that part felt great. But my walk with God still so you're like felt like going around. I did hoe around. Um, and that, which is so crazy to be like, you saved yourself for your first marriage and then, you know, never cheated or anything like that. And then you hoe around after you, you know, so it was just like, yes, I did. Um, and it's embarrassing now. Cause like, you know, one of my daughters was, a, was aware of one and she's like, yeah, you brought this guy home yeah. and you just met him that day. And I'm like, oh, uh. I missed the mark, you know, like, which is, you know, God, God, God was with me in the midst of that, but I totally did just make very poor choices. Um, and, but I mean, I, you know, did the right thing as far as with my kids, you know, did what I needed to do with them, but my personal choices of who I let in my life or the, you know, the path I was choosing, I was, it was not healthy. Um, and so I begin to just get, you get hurt by those relationships. When you let relationships in that are just like hoeing around, like those aren't healthy men relationships. And so uh, they're not built on anything healthy. And so I began to experience heartache from that of like, this is counterfeit relationships. And I, I endeavored, I, and again, in the midst of that, I endeavored to want to be remarried. And I did want my kids to experience what it was like to grow up in a home with, uh, with a parents that, you know, male and female. Um, and uh, get that uh, experience of a home because I grew up in a broken home. I wanted my kids to experience a, a, a fully functioning home. And so you're kind of in a, a prodigal situation. You know, you've you experienced all this, and as a result of that, you you're kind of in the land that's far, far away, right? And so how do you how do you find yourself coming back home? And I mean, because obviously these aren't things that you're, you're struggling with today, um, and you know, so, and obviously you're still not, you're not angry at God, um, and, and healing's taking place. So, so what happened there? So, um, well, it was kind of in the midst of me doing what I shouldn't be doing, you know, again, in another relationship, uh, God just started to open doors. Uh, there was one where I was still looking for a job, um, cause I needed an income that could support me and the kids. And, um, so I remember, you know, I was starting to follow his lead. It's like gradually I kind of would follow his nudges here and there. So one's like I turned to application and then two months went by and I was like, you know, the whole time I'm like, you know, I need a different job. Um, and this was kind of one of, I think began to be sort of the turning point where there's just two months of struggle of like, God, I don't, how are you going to work this out? I don't think it's my fault, but I'm having to pick up all the pieces. And so 
uh, there's a place that got my application. I had turned it in to apply for them, but they kept it for two months. And then they called me one day and said, there's a company that's hiring. It's not us. It's this other company. Can we give them their resume? And I was like, whoa. And yeah. so, you know, that was just so like, it made me feel seen by God. Yeah. Like two months gone by, you held on to my application and you're not wanting me there, but you're giving me an opportunity to interview somewhere else based off of my application and my resume. So I went and interviewed and I got the job. And that became my income, and they understood my situation of it, you know me being a single mom of four, and so that that began the process of softening my heart. Um, and then he placed a person, well, a person already worked there, and they went to Cedar Point, um, and they began to just reach out to me. Um, their interaction with me was um, just very friendly. They began to bring me um, just the sermon notes, like, hey, this is what they talked about and um, they just began to check on me daily like hey how are you today and then you know I'd let them know a little bit more about my situation and their response was always healthy so in spite of those notes and those messages you still came here yeah well she hadn't met you yet, so. <laughs> well actually that person invited me for over a year and I didn't come during that year um, and so then finally you know but again I had walls up because I felt betrayed by God and, and people and and just, again, from doing the right thing, my life still crashed down with choices that weren't mine. And so it just felt very, like when somebody affects your life where your life fell apart and it wasn't your choices, it just sure. it's really angering. Um, and, and then like, why put the effort in, you know? Cause mm -hmm. some, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter anyway. And um, so God began to use this person to show me genuine, like there's no strings attached um, and the love of God. And, um, and then even as they found out some of my dumb, dumb decisions, they just looked at me and were like, well, okay, we're not going to talk about that, but Hey, you know, they would change the subject pretty much. But in those moments, it taught me that they're seeing me for real and that they didn't hold against me, the dumb choices I was making. They saw me in the way God saw me. And that began to change my perspective of reopening up to him that just seeing me the way he sees me. And that he has more for me. They saw, they saw something in me worth paying attention to me on an ongoing basis with no strings attached. Like even though I said no for like a whole year, they still approached me the same way. Hey, I'm your friend. How are you doing? Yeah. So I start to feel support at work. Um, and then I finally, you know, gave in and, and tried um, uh, Easter Sunday morning and God got me. And, uh, and, and also in the hindsight, before this moment happened, uh, that coworker was starting to lead a 12 step group. She's like, I know you're not struggling with, you know, substance or alcohol, but she's like, you're going through a divorce and I can see the impact it's having on you and that you, you, you're needing God to help you. So because she had been speaking into me, then I already kind of was open. So since she was leading it, that was the only reason I agreed like, Hey, I'll join your group because you're leading it and I trust you. And so I joined that group and God began to, began to heal, start to heal um, some things. And that gave me the strength to start cutting out unhealthy guy relationships um, and get back to my firm foundation and it be built on God and not anybody else where, um, and that's where I had the first realization of because of this pain that I've experienced, like because people rejecting you doesn't mean God's rejecting you. Just because people lead you astray doesn't mean God's leading me astray. 
Um, and so it began to really knit back together um, just me and God's like solid core relationship. Yeah, I mean, it really is kind of like, I know a lot of what took place positive in your life towards the end. I mean, it happened here, but I mean, it wasn't because of Cedar Point per se. I mean, it was really that, that coming home back to your first love. Yeah. Um, you know, your relationship with God, like you had mentioned earlier, um, it um, had gotten uh, adulterated, the right word, like kind of off base. And yeah, well, because I knew that. You began to miss it and, and drift in these areas. And, and so you experienced a lot of pain that, that you put on God, but it was really not God. And I think we have a habit of doing that in our lives where we begin to blame God for the choices of people um, or organizations or, or this and that. Um, and it's because that, you know, we have the adulterated version of what that relationship is and or what it should be and it, it's contaminated. And so that's kind of what happened with you. And Absolutely. So, and so coming back to that, that true pure foundation um, and was a big part of it, right? Yeah, that was huge. It was just knowing that that wasn't him. He didn't yeah. betray me. Um, and, uh, and then again, coming to Cedar Point. And it just, it just had to do with God. God knows how we work and, and what's going to help us. And so there was just a lot of, you know, repenting in my relationship with him where I just, he, that was just that aha moment of like, that wasn't you. And then now I've done all this stuff and that's on me. Like, you know, so I started to take responsibility for the choices that I'd made. Oh, that's a dirty word. Yeah, the R word. <laughs> oh, about responsibility. And it was somebody else's fault. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I, and I, 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 I began to own my choices in my walk because before that point, I wasn't owning them. You know, I gave myself excuses for why it was okay to sleep around, why it was okay to do whatever I was doing. Um, I mean, at the same point, I knew that God was God. And I did know what peace was like, so there were certain areas that I didn't I didn't explore to. But at the same time, like he was, his access was totally cut off. Um, but again, coming, it was because I'm realizing he wasn't the one who did me wrong. Yeah. Um, so how would you describe yourself today? Today, I describe it like you know I, I'm a house, and there's all these doors that have to do with different areas of my thinking and who I am. And, and just even my experiences or, you know, areas that I experienced God in. And it's kind of like where, you know, he used to live in the house and he had access to all the doors. And then when everything kind of went down, I let him stay in the house, but I shut all the doors. It's like, you can stand right here in the foyer, but you cannot go in the kitchen. You can't go in the bathroom, you get, like, no access, but you can be in the house. That's about it. Don't touch anything. And, uh, and then now it's like, he's gradually gone door by door and we go in there together and we clean out you know, whether somebody else influenced me in a negative way and told me how God's like, he began to go in those areas with me and rewrite what it's, what it's meant to be. Yeah. Um, she, she still makes questionable relationship choices, but, yeah, um, well. um, so you, you, you said, you know, the kind of process started when you went through that, the 12 step, but then yeah. recently you've also gone through another study, Yes. right? That we, we now endorse here at Cedar Point. Yeah, which I am. That? that that was so. I've been through a twelve step, and that was good for that. I don't know if we have time for this, Caleb. You shut up. <laughs> but <laughs> but the ends up, I I can say it has changed my walk. Like it's. I mean, Aaron knows more the in depth part, but it literally was a turning point for me. I kept going around the mountain in some areas that I was still struggling with abandonment and insecurities. Um, and some stuff that was affecting daily life because until those abandonment areas and insecurities, core things that, you know, I can say, uh, you know, 
I believe this, but uh, there's that subconscious stuff we believe mm-hmm. on the inside that comes out and how we speak and how we act and, and how we function. And Are you at a place you're wanting to share any of those details or is it still something you want to hold close? It's it's yours, so it's not for me to do. So, I mean, I can. It's, it's going to be, this will be, you guys will be privileged to be the first ones to kind of hear this out. All 10 of you. Yeah, so and it's actually, a small yeah. Well, so don't be, don't be worried. Yeah, so actually, um, we're, we're way into this, but yeah, um, it's. So. I, I think it's okay, and, and like I said, this is. It really has personally impacted me. So like, anytime anybody hears me talk about the in depth book and the group, I'm like, by the end of the conversation, they're like, I need to do that, yeah. and it's it's because it's personally impacted me that it, it has a spot in my life that I feel like it is a tool. And it is a place that when you give God that time and you walk through the material that's there, God meets you in the midst and he will help you. You know, you might have 10 areas, but he's going to get to that one that will be the chain reaction to the other nine. Yeah. And so that's really how I feel about it. Um, and if you put the work in and you connect with God, you connect with that group, you cannot not walk away with something and be changed. Like it, yeah. there's just no way. Um, if you're doing it the way it's meant to be done. Um, so for me, uh, this is new, uh, sharing this. Uh, um, pastor is aware of it. He's helped me walk through part of the journey my husband has. And then I shared it with Jill, where I assume she shared it with her husband. Maybe, maybe not. Know. We I, might be yeah. finding out for the first time, too. We, uh, we you know, as a married <laughs> couple, we... we we, I gave her permission. We keep confident. She probably did. I'm, okay. I'm not, not have been <laughs> I gave her permission. <laughs> Just because I know the pressure that is between husband and wife. Like, you yeah. know. Um, so anyways. Um, so in the book, uh, with me and Aaron, I had really been struggling with uh, insecurities. Just with, you know, I still had... Um, just, just when you've been through abandonment through, you know, your father, um, a 10 and a half year marriage, um, especially when you felt like you did what you're supposed to growing up and through that marriage. Um, and, uh, and then going through the part of the relationship with God, I just had a lot of built up of, I don't matter. And my voice doesn't mean anything and I'm not worth anything um, worth. It's, it's almost like I'm worth the, the look of like, oh, yeah, I like Janelle, but then to keep her, it was because all of the relationships, it was like, I can only keep your attention for a time and then you're gone um, because something else is worth more. So anyway, that's just some of the core stuff that was there. So I went through the book and um, began to realize that there were some areas that I'm like, uh, I say the identify lesson is the one that really was my aha moment. And it was because, we, you know, we go to like, what's the three main people or events that affected you? And so obviously I knew the first one was going to be daddy issues. And uh, then the second one was, uh, the, uh, was the growing up where the rejection from um, actually my brother, which he's apologized now, but he brought up a memory of one of those rejections. And I was like, I thought I dealt with that. Um, and, and that's actually one of the ones that unlocked some of the healing for me. And then I had the, of course, 10 and a half year marriage of that rejection and abandonment. Um, and so um, I just had that, went through the identify lesson and I would constantly get harassed with things in my mind. Like this had been going on for, for a long time and Air didn't know like um, that I was dealing with harassment when I wake up and when I go to sleep. Um, and, uh, just, I was, 
I don't know, just all with life. And, you know, it just felt like the perfect storm as far as, I don't know how to really talk about this, but um, so anyway, just not knowing what to do and how to heal and how to work through all the different pieces of my life. Um, and so uh, I kind of had this thing where like all the, all the negative thoughts I was dealing with, I had to write down all the things that are the opposite of that. And that was hard um, because I don't believe them. I know that I should, but I don't believe it. Um, so you can tell me things all day of what I should believe, but at the core, that's not what I feel on the inside. Um, and so uh, there was one of the memories that came up and you know, I really wanted to just discount it. And so then me and God kind of walked through it together. Um, and my aha moment was I was doing my homework. It was literally like doing the, doing the in-depth homework. And then all of a sudden I just like bust out ugly crying and Aaron's like, are you okay? <laughs> and I'm like, and then God just, you know, I was looking at these memories and these things that were coming up and the harassing thoughts and God just spoke what he had to say. And I believe it's because, you know, I was in the group, I was receptive. We're kind of digging up a little bit and it was like, um, and each of those things that he brought up, I was looking at them. And before I could look at them and kind of brush them off my shoulder, like, right. oh yeah, this is how I should think, you know, and this is how God sees me. But it was almost like in the brokenness of the damage, like in those moments of like, you know, the day my dad walked out, you know, um, the day I, you know, found out that my husband wanted somebody else. And, and just those moments, it's like God spoke in those moments that that's not, that wasn't him, that wasn't, what should have gone down. That's not, that's not, I am loved. I am valued. And that shouldn't have spoke my value. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's at the, the depth that those, that pain occurred. It's like, he spoke into that with his own words and I lost it. Like, I remember Aaron's like worried and I'm like, <clears throat> I knew that I had to explain myself because he's looking at me like, what is going on? Right. Like she's, her face is contorting. There's snot come out of her face, you know? And so I just remember I have to put words to this, but it was just like. You started sprinkling holy water on you. Yeah. And I remember feeling like, I've seen people experience that, but I right. was like, I was at a place where I was okay if God didn't, if that makes sense. Like I can believe healing for you, but this area over here, like it is so deeply damaged that I don't know God that I, I can, I can function in my relationship with you where I'm at currently, but I don't know that you could go back and heal just the damage that's taken place. Um, and you know, I was okay functioning from a place of brokenness there. And I was, you know, but, but God had other plans and I'm so glad he had other plans. But to say the least, it opened up some things that nobody knew about. And um, looking back, I guess my, my thing was self-harm. So again, it came in with thinking about suicide. Um, and uh, I had struggled with not wanting to cut. Mm -hmm. And uh, Aaron had no idea that just with the pressure of, um, you know, when you, when you live by yourself, nothing's bumping up against your wounds. And so when we got married, it was bringing up so much stuff, you know, again, going through a 10 and a half year marriage of just some subtle things, you can't come out of that unscathed. And so he didn't know personally all the stuff that I was working through. And so I was trying to handle it on my own. So, um, you know, when there's friction or making decisions or just, just, blending blending life together as a couple um i began to just get overwhelmed and freak out and 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 so for my way of handling that was sometimes i couldn't sleep and i needed to go sit in the living room and i'm you know with all of my being 
not wanting to go grab a knife out of the kitchen. You know, I mean, just it's like, but I was, and I carried that for four years on my own. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had no idea. Um, I did talk to a couple people and, um, you know, they would, you know, like, hey, you haven't done anything, have you? I'm like, no. <laughs> but they they were aware and I would reach out to them if it was like a week that I was like, I'm really struggling. But again, that was four years of walking that by myself because I knew it wasn't stuff that Aaron caused in my life. It was stuff that I needed to heal through, but I didn't feel like it was his responsibility to walk me through that because it's not damage he caused. Um, And so going to the in-depth group, um, it kind of brought everything to a head. And I did did do some cutting and it was to, I was feeling so much pain that I just needed some other kind of pain to uh, take that away, just dole it for a moment. And I didn't want to hurt anybody around me. And so that was kind of my way of justifying that, well, if I do it towards myself, it's not hurting anybody, but I need some relief from this pain. And at that point, I was also angry because I'm having to deal with hurt that that wasn't my fault. And so it's like, I'm hurt because the situation happened but then I'm having to heal through it and it's causing so much shame and so much embarrassment that I let somebody do certain things in my life. And that I'm, I'm mad that I didn't stand up for myself, that I didn't, you know, just, just all this. So I was dealing with shame and anger towards myself. And um, so it kind of came out into the light in not a fun way because I cut obviously where my husband I didn't care the moment it was going on. Um, and then, of course, I'm like, well, and, and it happened, you know, we lived out in the country for a while. And so it's like, well, we get nicked by branches when we're like, you know, doing different mm. stuff. So I was like, maybe he won't notice. And then a couple days later, like it took a couple days. And I was like, he hasn't asked me, but I'm out of the clear, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then he asks. And we had to have that hard conversations and because I drew quiet, obviously, and I'm not a liar, so I can't, I don't lie, and I don't lie good with my face, even if I did, and if I lied, I'd tell you, like, five minutes later that the truth, like, I just can't, (laughs) I'm not capable of lying, my face and my heart, I'm not capable of lying, and so he could tell by the look on my face that, you know, something, something's going on that's not okay, and so he is pushing for me to say, and I'm afraid, because I'm like, dude, I've held this for four years. Like, this is not going to go well. (laughs) And so, you know, I let him know what's going on, and of course, response is so angry at me. And it's not because of what I'm doing, it's because I've not let him be there for me. Mm. And so, and he's like, what else is there? Like, you know, like, he felt betrayed. Um, and, uh, so in our first moment, it was like, he walked away angry. So then I felt even more alone. So even that day I had to be like, and don't cut, (laughs) you know, and I'm, I'm feeling rejected by my spouse, but it's my fault because I've, I didn't feel safe enough to share that, but that was my own, again, my own things that I had to work through where I should have felt safe to talk to him and I shouldn't walk that out by myself. Um, and, but two, it was such a dangerous spot I got to holding that for four years where, you know, especially when I didn't care in that moment, then, you know, your next brink is, well, that's suicide, is yeah. when, you're, when you reach that certain spot where you don't care and you're just going to do it, you need the pain to go away. And I knew that, but I still did it. 
And, um, and so I know that in our, in our marriage, it put us in a like, okay, now, now what? We got to address this because you can't, you can't let yourself go to that next stage. Yeah. Um, so I know that it put a lot of, of healthy fear, I guess, where we had, you know, we both addressed it. I addressed it. He walked with me through it. Um, but that, again, the book was one that if I hadn't gone through that book, I don't know that that secret would have came out and I would have still been trying to, I didn't want anybody else to have to carry that with me because I knew that it was my past stuff. Um, but I didn't, I didn't know how to, yeah, so. Uh, it's one of those things, I mean, secrets grow in the dark, you know, they become cancerous and as we get them into the light, um, you know, we're able to deal with them and, and hand them over. Not, not only to God, um, but to, you know, the people that God's placed in our lives. And I think, too, um, that uh, it just, I think a lot more things made sense with our marriage mm-hmm. afterwards because there was that extra wall. He didn't understand sometimes when I felt like I'm still reserved in our marriage. And so knowing that that was taking place, like anytime you keep a secret you can't have a marriage like you're meant to because the intimacy, like you're meant to be intimate in everything. And so emotionally, our friendship was suffering yeah. um, because there was a certain depth in our friendship that I wasn't getting to because there was thought that I had reserved. And so literally I experienced like our friendship becoming new when he finally knew that I had been struggling for so long on my own. Then our friendship like had a new blossom. Like it was just, you know, and I thought my my way of doing it was, better but then realizing god's way of doing it was actually like i obviously for four years it wasn't working like my way wasn't working and so by a mishap (laughs) you know like i i knew he's like he's like you need to like he was experiencing the tough part of you know when you try to hold something in it's coming out different ways and so aaron knew like something's going on with you and you need to talk to somebody but he didn't realize what that would be when it came out Mm. and uh but now that resolves all the other stuff because we're handling it right. And so instead of it, you know, like a balloon, you squeeze it here, it pops out here. Like, right. and so it began, we've really got resolve and, you know, things in our relationship that were yeah. byproducts of the, the things I was struggling with got to be, get healing. And that's something you're free of now, right? Yes. Yeah, free of uh, over a year. Yeah. Um, you know, God's been able to deal with that and, and offer healing and reconciliation in those areas. And, um, I mean, you're the, the healthiest I've ever known you to be. Yeah. And now we only use knives to make sandwiches. So that's, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it is, I mean, again, your your story is one. I, I just don't think a lot of people understand just all the pain, the hurt you've gone through. I know it was an incredibly long episode today, but, you, you know, one, you just talk nonstop. <laughs> I'm joking, honey. Um, but it, it was good. I mean, things that needed a, to be. That's a pot calling the kettle black. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Do your kids get to say anything to you all at home? Like, actually, just, they talk a lot. Yeah. You and I, I just listen. Where they learn that because from. that's their love language. Is you just let them talk. No. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's a learned love language. Too. It's a learned behavior. For it is you probably. All. Yeah. No, we're 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 gonna be a family of evangelists. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, but uh, Don't go over to the shows if you have anywhere you need to be yeah. <laughs> in the next two days. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I just, I mean, I want to just say thank you, honey, for for being vulnerable, um, not only with me but with the people that that do listen, um, and just uh, allowing it to to all be out there. I have no doubt that that God will use your story to bless people. Yeah.
I'm sure Caleb's man. He's probably pretty pumped for probably the best book review he's ever got. So. That was way better than anything yeah. Aaron's ever said about it. But I mean, you know, to be uh, to be totally honest, though, is you know, I am, you know, we always joke about how I've, I've just got no emotion or anything. But but to hear people, you know, um, you know, we wrote that out of kind of a necessity when we we knew we were moving away from celebrate recovery, and it's it's you know, when you do something like that, it's like one, it's just this, you know. You know, I'm scared. You know, it's like, God, is this going to be anything good? And then, um, you know, is it going to be worthwhile? I mean, I felt like I was doing the right thing. I felt, you know, this is where we should go. And then coming up with how to, you know, how to approach this and, and where do I want to take people from where they start to, to where do I want to get them? Um, you know, and then we put it out there. And then, you know, some time has gone by and it's like, oh, is this going to work? And then, you know, then I get to start hearing stories about, like, yeah, like it's, yours and the it's process just like is perfect i you know my my grinch heart grows three sizes that day <laughs> um where it's like okay you know i'm actually you know did something worthwhile um that hopefully made a difference and so uh that does make me you know feel whatever whatever little emotion i have is <laughs> well and two i feel like it like going through the material it not only brings it up but it walks you it walks you through the healing process of that yeah. and so i've encouraged people like you know God might bring something up, but I feel like it, it, like I said, I feel like it clears enough where you can get to those deep areas Yeah. and it's off of focusing on one thing that you're struggling with and all you have to do is focus on one and you will get to, you'll, it'll, right. it'll come and up. That's because, of, you know, and that, that identify lesson is that the point of that is there's so many, you know, so many times our struggles are just manifestations of something that's deeper there. And it's, you know, and it can be just one thing and we're just trying to cope with it in so many different ways. And, and we're just, you know, and if we just pull that tree up by its root, you know, and plant something more, you know, substantial yeah. in its place, which is God, um, you know, then then the the struggle part, which we we think is the thing, but it's not really the thing, the, it, it it'll kind of take care of itself, you know, yeah. when you, you know, so um, that's good that it accomplished. Yeah, and then I encourage purpose. like extra counseling afterwards once you figure those things, because I did go for what maybe two months mm -hmm. um, every week. I mean, especially I was in the danger zone. So, yeah. um, so I went for two more weeks and we just, now that we knew what it was, we sure. could directly minister to that exact point in the area. Yeah. And so I really appreciate Pastor Rick and Aaron walked me through, um, just ministering to where, you know, where that damage was and it, it made it. Yeah. So again, just seeking extra counsel after, you know, you get through the class and you really figure out what that is. Just, it's okay if you're not done Oh yeah. and walk with somebody yeah. to finish that yeah, out. Yeah. There's no way I could, you know, or me or anybody else, you know, some PhD in psychology could write yeah. a book that's going to adequately address everybody in, in, in their exact spot and deal with all those things. So yeah, needing to go through it and then getting, you know, counseling afterwards or going through it multiple times or, you know, that's, there's, yeah. there's no right or wrong answer in that. And I think it's, yeah. I mean, it's beneficial to have people with you on that journey, especially there's traumatic stuff that you've gone through, just having mm -hmm. people with you who will, you know, walk with you through that. Yeah, that's very good. Well, uh, again, we hope you guys enjoyed um, Janelle's story and um, just today's episode. We hope that, that it's blessed you. Um, and I mean, if you have any questions, I mean, I know Janelle's more than comfortable answering those and you reach out to her. You can 
Um, always reach out to the church office, 918-283-2221. Um, you can email the church at info at cedarpoint.church. Again, we would love just to connect with you, hear from you, um, um, journey with you. And if you need something, don't hesitate to reach out, whether it's counseling, resources. We would love just to, to be there to, to put those things in your hand and to journey with you. Um, as always, be sure to check us out on social media, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all the places you poop and scroll. Um, if you if you listen to an episode, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, my yeah, wife's like, well, I almost uh, got out of here with that. I shouldn't have yeah, laughed. Yeah. Then I might. No, no. I, love I, I how, forgot. I forgot at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, she's never listened. I love how. Or, I can't I'm say sorry, never. Three. three. She listened to three episodes. Well, this will make four. She'll yeah. listen to herself. Yeah. She's yeah. Like Pastor Rick. I've been on yeah, live. Listen to my episode. One. Yeah. Anyways, don't be a Janelle. Actually, engage <laughs> with our content here at Cedar Point. I come and support you every Monday. I listen to that's totally every different. Monday. I told you every Monday. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, what about me? Yeah, what, what about me? I'm sitting over here. Yeah. Just totally I promote your book. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I have a podcast <laughs> yeah. with your husband. Yeah, so. don't think Jill, about it. Where you at right don't now? Don't think about it as listening to Aaron. I usually think don't take these two on without me. Jill by my side. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, we love you guys. <laughs> we hope to catch you right back here next week. <laughs> <laughs>